Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Every situation that you're in, God cares about that situation. And God desires, because of His infinite love for you, God desires to show Himself faithful to you. And he's just really waiting for us to let him be God in that situation. Sometimes it seems that God will even allow the problem to arise just so he can do that. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Some of the situations we go through in life can often leave us feeling as though God is busy with someone else. This, of course, couldn't be farther from the truth as God is interested in every part of our lives. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how God often allows certain challenges in our lives simply to remind us that He cares for us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 2 with his message entitled, How to Solve Problems. Galatians chapter 2 today, our text will be verses 6 through 12, beginning in verse 6, where the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, continues in his letter to the churches there in Galatia. And says, as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, verse 7, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, Cephas being Peter, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised or the Jews. All they asked, verse 10, was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. And here's why. It's because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So today's teaching is going to be part two of a series we began last week that I titled, How to Solve Problems. I had mentioned last week that my hope and my prayer for this series was that all of us, and I include myself in that, would experience a new 
and even in a fresh way, the power of God's Word by way of the application of God's Word. And what I mean by that is that when you taste of the Lord and you see that He is good, it, it changes you. When you're on the receiving end of having practically applied the Word of God to a situation in your life, a problem that you're facing in your life, and you see and experience the hand of Almighty God moving in that situation, even resolving that problem, it just, it, it sort of ruins you in a good way. It spoils you in a good way. I heard one say it this way, uh, God ruined me for himself. I like that. God ruined me for himself. Lord, ruin me. <laughs> if it's for you, just ruin me. Uh, let's be honest, uh, when you came to Christ, did he not ruin your plans? He did mine. I had plans. But he had a plan for my life. He had a call on my life. And in order for him to have his way with my life, he had to ruin the plans that I had for my own life. And when you experience that, and it's, it's very powerful in the sense that it just shows you, reveals to you, that God cares for you. Every situation that you're in, God cares about that situation. And God desires, because of His infinite love for you, God desires to show Himself faithful to you. And He's just really waiting for us to let Him be God in that situation. Sometimes, it seems that God will even allow the problem to arise just so He can do that. Let me say the same thing in a different way. You're facing a situation in your life, it's very difficult, even painful. It involves a loved one, perhaps a family member. And it's just, it's really hurtful. It's complex. It's perplexing, and it just seems that there's no solution to it. Could it be that God has allowed that so that you will call upon Him, look to Him, and trust in Him to be God in that situation? I had somebody share with me last week after uh, part one, that they applied just the first two of these ways, these biblical ways in this biblical template that we're going to talk about, to a situation that they were uh, in involving a family member. And she said to me, you know, praise the Lord, it just, God just solved it. And I'm like, I, I love it when he does that. <laughs> I love it when he does that. I mean, after all, he is God. Is there anything too hard for him? It, it was impossible in the natural, but God desires to do the 
impossible in the supernatural. I think there's something innate within all of us that desires to see God move in the realm of the supernatural. And sometimes God will bring us to the end of ourselves in the realm of the natural, so we have no other choice but to look to Him and to say to Him, God, only You can do this. Only You can solve this. I can't. You can. I'm going to let You, Lord. I'm done trying, to which I always imagine the heavenly host, those angels given charge concerning me. I feel so sorry for the angels that have been given charge <laughs> concerning me because they got their work cut out for them. I just always imagine them responding when I cry out to God and I come to the end of myself and I just say, Lord, I can't do this. I just imagine them saying, well, it's about time, dude. <laughs> Would to God that you would have come to him sooner. You could have spared yourself such unnecessary difficulty and pain and even sorrow. Well, I wanted to mention that again this week because the chapter and the text before us provides us with this very application, this practical application to real problems in our everyday lives. Those, those interpersonal problems, those relational problems. And this is a, a template that the Apostle Paul provides us in his dealing with what I would argue are very serious problems that had developed there in the churches in the region of Galatia at the time. And so what I'm really wanting to do again this week with part two is take this template, as it were, and superimpose it on that problem or problems that you brought with you to church today. To practically take this, this biblical template and superimpose it on that situation. Now, of course, superimposing it presupposes that you have problems. If you don't have problems, would you do us all a favor while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed? Would you just quietly <laughs> go into the fellowship hall? We'll just talk with you after. We'd like to know your secret after. Don't leave. We want to know, uh, you know, how is it that you don't have any, any problem? Well, pastor, I'm not really experiencing a trial right now. Praise the Lord. Is any among you happy? Let him sing, James says. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, During times of prosperity, when things are going good, rejoice. Praise the Lord. But when adversity strikes, I wish it said if, by chance, adversity were to, you know, happen to strike. It doesn't say that. It says when, when. It's like what Jesus said in John 16.33, In this world you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We're promised this. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. You know what that means? That means that, well, let me say it this way. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Hey, listen, I would be content with just being a conqueror, but I'm more 
than a conqueror. You know why? Because of Christ. I am a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, bear with me. I just want to briefly recap the first two. The first one is in verses 1 and 2, and it's that of, and again, this is a practical application of God's word. It's that of using tact. Tact. This because Paul is remarkably, and I'll add brilliantly, tactful in his approach to this problem there in Galatia. He meets privately with those who were esteemed as leaders. That's very tactful. That's very, I want to use this word very carefully because it's been hijacked. I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijacked, but it's been hijacked. Sensitive. I think that in our witnessing especially, we, we need to be more tactful. I think that we are obnoxious. Can I just ask you a question? When was the last time you actually argued somebody into the kingdom? I, I have never, I have ne- listen, I, you'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate this, but I, I have never had anybody that I've shared the gospel with say, you know what? You're right. You won the argument. I'll get saved. That's fine. I've never had anybody do that. You know, by winning the argument. That's not how you win them. I think we need to be more tactful. And certainly in approaching relational problems, especially the marriage relationship, husbands, wives, there needs to be this considerate sensitivity and tact in the way that we deal with marriage problems. And really the first one ties into the second one, which is discernment. Now, it's important to understand that having discernment is not the same thing as using discernment. And I'll explain what I mean by that. We, we can possess discernment, but we need to use that discernment. And such is the case in verses 3 through 5, where Paul uses his spiritual discernment, and in so doing, he exposes the false believers who had infiltrated the churches. It's really quite interesting to me that Paul outs them and says of them that they had come in stealth, as some translations render it, under the radar, undetected, to spy on those in order to take away their freedom in Christ and bring them back into the bondage of the law. You know, one of the things that you you come to realize about the Apostle Paul when it came to legalism, listen, I, I, I see the Apostle Paul as having been a very gracious man, but when it came to legalism, man, well, we, we talked about it last week, and we're going to talk about it again when we get to Galatians 5. I have to warn you, it's pretty graphic, but Paul, to these who were trying to get them back into the bondage of the law vis-a-vis circumcision as a requirement of the law, you know what Paul would say to these legalists? He would say, why stop at circumcision? Why don't you go all the way to castration? 
Yeah, Galatians 5. It's right here. I, I'm just reading and quoting, and that's what Paul thought of legalism. When it came to our freedom in Christ, all things are lawful. Not all things are profitable, but all things are lawful. And they were coming in undetected. And Paul discerns it, and he uses his discernment to confront it. That brings us to our text today in verses 6 through 8. We see our next one. It's that of, and this is so important, they're all important, but it's that of being impartial. In verses 6 through 8, Paul tells them that those held in high esteem were basically inconsequential, and this for two reasons, the first of which is that God shows no favoritism. And secondly, they added nothing to his message. He didn't alter his message because, ooh, do you know who's in your church today? Paul had an audience of one. And the one that was in Paul's audience was no respecter of persons. I don't care who you think you are or even who people think you are. It reminds me of a story my wife uh, shared with me many, many years ago on the mainland. Uh, this uh, friend of hers was a flight attendant, and she was in first class. And so she was, you know, uh, assisting one of the uh, guys there in first class. And he says to her with this arrogance, you know, do you know who I am? To which she responded, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll ask around and see if anybody knows uh, who you are. And so she takes, you know that curtain that they separate the first class from the rest of us, right? So she, she pulls that curtain back and she yells, she goes, hey, does anybody know who this guy is? I think she got fired after that, but, it, <laughs> but, the, but, but a point well taken. Who do you think you are? You know, I, listen, for me, I, I have to confess that I'm not, I am fully capable of being influenced by this. If somebody of some consequence were to come and visit the church, it would, I have to confess, it would be something that I would have to be very careful about. Not, you know, playing to that. Years ago, uh, before I was even in the pastorate, uh, the newspaper, the local newspaper came to our church. They were going to do a story on the church. And I remember my pastor saying, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this because, you know, of course, <laughs> the newspapers come and you want to put on your best, you know, <laughs> I hate to use this word, show, as it were. And you want to make a good impression. It's a good witness. But, you don't want to alter the message in order to do it. We were just talking before the service about how the church today is trying to be like the world to win the world. And the problem that there is with that, and it's, it's ironic, because if you think about it, the church is too much like the world to win the world. So let's just say that they win the world. And so they come to the church, and there's no difference between the church and the world because the church became like the world to win the world. 
Listen, when I came to Christ, God had delivered me out of the world. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with the world. I had come to Christ, and I come to, I'm going to come to a church that's like the world? Why, why leave the world? If I'm going to go to a church that's just like the world, you can't tell the difference between the, the church and the world. I digress. <laughs> he tells them after this, conversely, that they recognized he was entrusted with preaching to the Gentiles, just as Peter was to the Jews. And then, very interestingly, he tells them the reason they recognized and accepted this was because God, who shows no favoritism, had worked effectively in Peter. If God's going to use someone like Peter, God certainly does not show favoritism. <laughs> as an apostle to the Jews, and certainly not Paul, who is called as an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, what is Paul saying here? What Paul is saying here is he's not impressed. He's not impressed with these who's who, these influential who's who people that everybody knows, these famous people, these recognized people. I uh, always like to think of myself as not being in the who's who, but the who's he. I like it that way. I'm, as I get older, I'm becoming more attracted to obscurity. I like that. But whoever they were or whatever they thought they were, they never influenced or altered Paul's preaching of the gospel. Now, that's what Paul is saying, but here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that one can't be blessed by others that are held in high esteem. That's not what he's saying. He's saying be blessed by them, but don't be impressed by them to the degree in which you change it to tailor it to them because of who they are. Because of who they are. Now, the question becomes one of why. Why was Paul unaffected by such people? I believe it's because Paul had put aside all partiality, all prejudice, all bias. That's just not who Paul was, and he did so in order to resolve the problem. And that is the wisdom that comes from above. Galatians contains many lessons that we can learn from even today. The Apostle Paul spent time in this letter encouraging the church to embrace the love and lifestyle of Jesus. While we need to learn and abide by the Bible's principles, we can't become like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, promoting legalism above grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and therefore we get to choose to follow Him in the way He desires. That's all we have time for today on In Spirit and Truth. You can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll receive new messages as soon as they're available. 
Download our mobile app for Android and iPhone and always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. If you live in or will be visiting the Kaneohe area, why not come join us in person for one of our weekly services? At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we desire to share God's Word and love everywhere we go and with everyone who walks through our doors. Come by on Sunday at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. or on Thursday at 7 p.m. for a time of Bible study and worship under the leadership of Pastor J.D. Farag. We can't wait to meet you, so please introduce yourself. Find out more at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com by clicking on the link to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. That's all for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There's so much more to learn from the pages of Galatians, though, so be sure to join Pastor J.D. again for another in-depth look. That's next time right here on In Spirit and Truth.